Welcome to the Rosedale Bible College Chapel Podcast. We hope you are challenged and inspired by today's message. Enjoy. Absolutely trivial observations is my ears are perversely designed not to work with these microphones. So I'll probably knock it off at some point and it'll fall down at my feet. The other thing to announce is that I am at the very peak of my immunitive powers with COVID because yesterday was two days since my second Pfizer shot. So I'm safe. <laughs> you guys are safe. <laughs> but that's just the trivial baloney you start with. Let's get to the, the heart of the matter. It's very likely that sometime in the next few months or maybe the next few years of your life, that you will find yourself alone. And if you've grown up in the bosom of a close family, if you've grown up steeped in a, in a close church, that experience of being alone might really rattle you for a while. And I don't refer to just sort of being out of step or feeling a little out of place, melancholic, lonely in the crowd kind of stuff. Everybody feels that. Everybody's been a teenager here, I suppose. Uh, you, you get that from time to time. I'm saying a, a sense of feeling alone that's much more profound than that. In critical ways, you'll feel alone because you will be alone, and it's a lonely experience. The props will be gone. Friends, for some reason, are going to be sidelined. They just won't be in reach, won't be around you to help. Family will have got other concerns, be far away, unable to speak into your life, or for some reason you just maybe don't want them to speak into your life at that time. And church will somehow be coming up blank for you. Maybe you won't have found a church home because you've moved or something like that, or or you will uh, find yourself awkwardly between two churches because of moves, job changes, things like that. Or uh, maybe you've had a kind of falling out with your familiar church home. But in any event, church doesn't seem to be there. It doesn't seem to be there. Well, in any case, I predict you will find yourself alone because you'll be alone. And I aim it a bit at people your age. Um, just because I've known from experience, in my own experience, that uh, the next time in life can be full of, well, not full of, but it's the time of spiritual and social wobble in people's lives. Uh, they're making a transition away from, say, a college-age life into to whatever's coming next, and they're, they're ramping up for it. But I've found that uh, your early 20s, uh, maybe your mid-20s, aren't the most stable years. For a lot of the Christians I've known, um, things are in motion. They're trying to chart a course for the, the future, but you end up in kind of a strange liminal state with some of your old, old connections. Um, in my own case, those weren't the, the most, uh, they weren't the greatest years in terms of spiritual or social strength or, or character. And I don't think it was just me. I've had lots of time to... Uh, you know, evaluate this with my cohort, my statistical cohort. And like, yeah, when we reflect on those years, we all, all kind of experienced it in similar ways. Well, in that time I'm thinking about, that time of being alone, I, I think the props are gone. And by props, I don't mean theater props. I mean the things that prop you up, the, the scaffolding, the external support apparatus just isn't there for some reason in a way that's being usefully perceived at the time. Now, I'm not saying that some of you might not have already experienced this in life, but uh, I've found that with many of my friends, especially in the Christian world, it's a jolt, a somewhat shocking experience to find themselves. 
in that situation. But of course, remember I told you this, it's a great time of opportunity uh, for you when you can dig in and say, yes, now at this point in my life, I want to follow Christ, and I do belong in His church, and I don't belong outside of it. But up until that point, it seems to me, many people who grow up in the Christian world, you say, it or they, but this is called the big it, uh, the structure, the scaffold, the system, the others who are around you have always been there. And it has directed and supported, encouraged, nagged, looked over your shoulder. And now somehow it has fallen away. It's slipped away. It's like as you were walking, it's following you down the street and it gave you the slip, but turned down another side street. Where did it go? It's not there. And at that point, you realize that, um, well, uh, you coasted along in it pretty comfortably. You didn't notice even the moment it, it gave you the slip, but something happens, you know, your, your life changes. You move to a new town, you get a new job, you're in a new phase. Some crisis maybe happens, whether it's minor or major, uh, or some move, uh, some stage in life. And there you are, on your own. At, at least you feel that way, exposed vulnerable. It can feel lonely as well. Now, take nothing I'm about to say as a denigration of the participation in the body of Christ or the need of developing a healthy relationship with the church. You'll always hear me say, of course, that that has to be understood in a sequence and that the sequence is very important. Church is useful and effective for someone who wants to draw near to God, but if that inner life, if you're hollow at the core, church is probably just going to be a drag. Um, uh, you have to be the kind of person who, who wants to follow God when you're home alone. And so the question sometimes when the, when the wobble hits you is, what's in you? That's the big question. What is it? Uh, the time of being alone helps you to answer that. What's inside? Is it like uh, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, a fountain springing up into eternal life? Or like, like he told the crowd at the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, a, a river of water coming out of you? Or is it kind of dry inside and, and not alive? Well, you can find out what's in you sometimes. Also, take nothing I say as a denigration of a rich family life. I really hope you have one. Uh, but the odd thing about church and family is uh, sometimes that time when you're lonely and alone, the time when maybe it seems like the best thing you could possibly do is step in and you find yourself unable to step in, disconnected for some reason, in some way alone. We had an interesting discussion in, among the elders in the church where I'm a pastor. And I think all the, the, the perspectives around the table were important to coming into a sound decision uh, worthy of Christ. Um, we were asking these questions, the questions pastors and elders ask about the congregation um, for a sound practice. We asked questions in order to explain what are the better ways we could, what are ways we could equip could we find anything missing in our program, a hole in the program? What should we do to equip our people to meet their spiritual needs uh, and to meet the spiritual needs of the fellowship? What would bring growth out in a person? How could we nurture maturity in our fellow believers? Uh, uh, get them where they ought to go. Get them where they need to go. And by that, I mean kind of a, a, a satisfied, a satisfying and, and uh, mature life as believers that, that participate in the church. How do we get them there? to maturity, to the next step, to this productive life. 
And I found in this discussion, it was real interesting because uh, um, uh, the elders, other than myself and, and uh, our wives who were there, Vicki and me, uh, the other elders that all come from Christian backgrounds were all ethnic Mennonites who grew up, I think, with very uh, pretty healthy, I mean, not perfect, but healthy relationships with their church and pretty happy family lives. And I didn't have kind of rose-colored glass. I mean, they all have had their, their tastes of frustration and pain, but I mean, for the most part, they came from a content and settled spiritual world. And their answer to how to equip the saints was uniformly, but almost exclusively involved in drawing people more tightly into the church. Get them busy at church. Give them things to do. Invent programs that have to be done. Pull them in closer. And I said their answers involved that, but in fact, it was, I had to speak a different language to them. Uh, I said the answer, these answers are, are good, but in fact, it isn't the only program. It's not the only, you say, visible route to a proper life in Christ, if you will. Pastoring for me has not been all about tapping shoulders to get people to do stuff or twisting arms or inventing programs that were going to require their talent and time. My reaction actually was, tone that stuff down. Our people, the, the few people, the, you know, the 15% of the people who carry that in church are usually exhausted. <laughs> Everybody else is riding on their energy. Uh, my reaction was tone it down. My thesis was it's rather than spending all our, our time trying to... Uh, and energy teaching people how to be Christians in church to find a way to nurture a faith for them at home and at home to find a way to, to work with them, how to have a believer with strong character, strong faith, an enduring pursuit of the kingdom of God, worshiping in spirit and in truth in their own skin, between their own ears when they, they were alone, uh, uh, when the props were gone. There's room for the other, of course, but, but ultimately I think you need to be Learn to be a believer when you're surrounded by disbelief. I think you ultimately need to stand, learn to stand for Christ when no one's standing with you, when you're all alone. To seek Him when the props are down, when they're gone. Uh, uh, the mainstays of that, of course, I think when you're talking as a pastor, are, well, what kind of personal devotional life do people, what have they built for themselves when the props are gone? And uh, I think it has to be rich. It has to be off the phone and reading things, off the radio. Uh, I think it even needs to set aside the, the plethora of fluffy devotional books. I think it needs to be a person in direct communication with God in their prayer and feeding on His words in the Scripture. And I think if we don't build that into people, everything else is somewhat futile. Well... Why was my perspective different when I was looking at uh, uh, speaking with the other elders? Well, I didn't grow up in the church. My family life had its rewards and joys. It, it certainly had some serious problems. And although I was allowed to pursue my faith, I mean, nobody was blocking me exactly, it was pretty evident from the moment I gave my life to Christ that uh, uh, family life was not going to nurture that faith, let alone bend family life to, to match what I believe to be true. And if you take a young Christian in that situation, and I'd say if you're at all authentically evangelically minded, you'd better be interested in that kind of person. Um, and expect a fair number of those kinds of persons in your midst in the church, then you realize that, well, you could make them very busy at church in Christian activity, 
but in fact you will be alienating them from their own world, and no matter how busy you make them, that, uh, they have to return and live in a different context where they're alone with Christ in that world and teaching them how to remain in Christ, the true vine in that situation. And that context is vitally important if equipping the saints is on your mind. I was, uh, as a teenager then, really pulled into a church. I was very active in it, and uh, it produced some really good fruit in my life, but it also alienated me from the world I had to live in, and it didn't, it didn't help in some ways. In some ways, it was destructive for me as a, as, a, as a human being, as a son, as a brother, as a, a person in a context with friends that weren't involved in the church. Well, it was interesting. Now, that was my life, and I'm not suggesting it should be yours um, or that it's in any way superior. I'm always, uh, but I'm saying that wh- whoever you are spiritually or whatever your background is, you are likely to get your chance to be alone with Christ. What will you do when the props are gone? At that point, I think, hang on and remember that some guy told you back at RBC, this is probably going to happen in your life. Um, What could you do right now that would build kind of a foundation, a a situation or a, a mindset that will carry you through those moments when you're alone and when they arrive, what will you do? Think now. Remember, remember, if you're coasting, it's a beautiful spring day. Try to rise up out of your dogmatic slumbers. Store something away in the vault of convictions that are in the back of your mind. Don't let spring and uh, the end of the school year intoxicate you here with a fog of youthful romance here. There's there's more to be gained uh, right now. And I think that building that into your consciousness is very important. Use this time to build two convictions solidly into your mind and heart. First, that Christ is, in fact, always with you. You are familiar with Jesus' words before his ascension, right? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But that may, when you're a moment of aloneness, sound pious, like it belongs on a, your great-grandmother's uh, needlepoint or something up on the, the, the uh, wall there. I think it, it might not necessarily work for you, but w- what worked for me was when Paul was speaking the Areopagus in Athens and speaking to people who didn't even really have any kind of conscious awareness of who God was. And what does he tell them? He is not far from each of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. References there actually to the, the hymn to Jupiter, an actual pagan worship song, if you will. Christians have taken great uh, uh, delight, I think, in Psalm 139, another one to build in. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. 
I don't think there's any substitute for this conviction and nurturing it in your spiritual life to prepare for those times when it'll feel that way. When you have to, I don't know, anchor yourself to this conviction. Christians sooner or later know that there are times when God will seem far away, when heaven will be silent, and if feelings were to be trusted, God has looked away for some reason. Now, you've been told feelings can't be trusted, but I think there is real truth in the sense that God is allowing us to be in those kinds of situations, standing back, as it were, silent. Why? Well, so that you can become the person He wants you to become. And so I'd say He really wants you to be in that situation and even struggle in that situation. Why shouldn't that be true? It's true in all parenting. Children need to learn to stand on their own two feet, defend themselves, not have a kind of childish dependency, but have integrity and be real when they're left alone. That's the goal of parenting. Why would God as our Father see it any differently? It may sound very pious to say God doesn't allow us to walk alone and we can write corny poems about footprints in the sand and all that stuff, but I see no no, I see no biblical reason to suggest that God does not allow us and even want us to work through passages in which He is standing back and waiting to see what will emerge from His children. This doesn't mean, though, that He left you, left you dangling, blinked. It only means that human life is very complex, and your role in working out your salvation isn't entirely passive. That's not a a statement about what saves you by grace alone and faith, but then what does it mean to be saved and develop as a believer? You are not totally passive, and that was a disaster, wasn't it? Guess you don't do that. It's totally sinking down, so I can't read my notes. Now it's crooked. This is not glamorous. Matt, what have you done to me? Anyway, you got it. I, I, I can handle it. It's okay. That's okay. No, I'll, I'll live with this. I'll just remember to pull it up by the stem or whatever that's called on a music stand. Where was I? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you think such, such uh, allusions are illusions? I think you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death but I don't think the other thing is an illusion either. Thou art with me. But I fear that Christian discipleship in our world often infantilizes what it means to be a Christian and to follow Christ. And we've got to get past that. The Bible will tell us to get past that. There's a second conviction, apart from simply setting it in your mind now that God is still there and does not depart from us. The second conviction, I think, that will help you to reinforce now is the church. It will be very unlikely if at some time you don't find it very hard to connect with Christian fellowship. And this might be a big element in a time of feeling alone. Where's the church? Why isn't it doing anything for me? Why I don't connect. I don't feel like I belong here. Learn now that when you feel alone, it might be the time when insisting on keeping church in your life is, is perhaps most important. 
even as the Christians around you do in fact expose themselves as idiot hypocrites, because they are. When worship seems shallow, because it is. When the pastor is a doofus, he can be. I have been. Uh, It can all be true, but it doesn't change what church really is at that point. Uh, You could feel like, I don't fit in, especially when you don't feel it. That is when I think being a part of it is very important and having a bigger idea of what it is about matters, especially when you want to avoid church. Unfortunately, I think you'll find people who will encourage you to not just step back from this or that activity, but just suggest to you that uh, life in a real uh, flesh and blood congregation is, is kind of a, um, not as important to you as I'm telling you it will be, to be there with those others. I have found as a pastor over many, many years that almost everybody in a congregation it's an exception who isn't like this, feels some tension about being there, feels some tension about being different or feeling indifferent about the whole thing. Could be about worship, could be about preaching, it could be about God's other obnoxious sinners. But far from signaling, I think, the, the failure of the church, I think in some ways this demonstrates the spiritual vitality of church. If it were merely a cultural group, a tribe, some kind of subculture existing there, then these tensions would be intolerable. Homogeneity would be the only glue that would hold it together. But I think Jesus had brought together this vast, motley crew of all of us blockheads and sinners and tried to put us in a room together and teach us to love one another. That's bound to be very messy as we get built into a temple of God. And without that conviction, I think, oh, church could be such a weight. Uh, it's, it's abuse is intolerable, uh, uh, and you'll feel so out of place there. Build this conviction, though, into your mind now, and then it will carry you if you feel alone. When the props are gone, the church will not have disappeared. Somehow you may have lost your connection or feel it, but even that would be an illusion. The conviction to nurture now is the simple awareness that for anyone in Christ, they are irrevocably pulled into his church. It's a package deal, and you can't get out of it. It's not a question of whether, but whether you have a a relative health in the relationship. But this remains under your control, too. And this is another part of sort of uh, infantilizing fellowship or infantilizing discipleship that I think we have to get away from. This is up to you. Without that commitment, without that mindset, then uh, don't expect the church to somehow magically extend a tentacle out to you and make everything right and make it so easy for you to step in. As you, as you go out the door, you'll find very few people try to stop you, actually. You know the passages. You may forget, conveniently want to forget them at time, but uh, let, me, let me put another one in the vault here to remember when this time comes to you. It comes from Ephesians 2. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place in dwelling place of God in the Spirit. No matter how earthly it may seem, no matter how 
absent is the sense of transcendent cosmic power in the church, it's happening. Something is happening that is beyond the sum of human parts and energy and happening in spite of all the problems of church. And that's why church remains valuable at that time. Here at RBC, you have a chance to put some of this away, both in your consciousness and in your conscience, and that's what I'm advocating. Here, now, there's a lot of structure, a lot of support. Uh, maybe there's too much structure for some of you. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to guess you're out there somewhere. I don't know who you are, but uh, where it's like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> I've run in my life for me. Uh, I've got my own, uh, my own place I need to develop this. Um, but, uh, well, it could have negative effects. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of support in relationships here, it seems to me. Uh, and some of that, uh, I suppose, I suppose good elements and toxic elements are in any group of people and they, they radiate out from there. But if you're like me, if you're like me when you get to this age, and if I'm like you at your age, um, you will find that you will realize that much more is going on now than you really even real than you even realize is going on. Uh, things will have influence down the road, and surprising things will emerge, things you thought you forgot, that, that will, will pop up, and suddenly that, that conversation will be real, that relationship, that action on your part, uh, which was forgotten and probably regarded as somewhat even insignificant at the time, suddenly emerges as something very, uh, maybe preeminently important about the time. Something that will seem less impressive to you now will suddenly be a, a moment of, of strength and importance that will rise from these mists and be vital to who you are, who you want to become, and how you conduct yourself. What I'm saying is what you invest in now really will matter and grow with you, but it will take new and surprising shapes and acquire powers throughout your life. So it was for me. Well, let me review a couple of points that I'm trying to, to sell you here. I hope you're buying. Someday, and probably not too far off, you might find yourself feeling alone. And that's because you will, in fact, be a little more alone or a lot more alone. And you will find yourself at a kind of impasse because the props are down. They're gone. And then it will be time to open this mental space and create something that's something you've created even now. Don't be surprised. Aloneness happens. And it will not mean that God has turned away from you, but in fact may have led you to that very place to have you grow. The convictions to nurture now are, first, that Jesus is here and will be there, alive, in person, at home, in your being, between your ears, down in your heart, all through you, in your room, during a lonely night. That moment of no more props isn't just a test. It's a necessary part of growth in human development. And a second conviction to develop now, nurture now, that as strained or hard as it might be to find Jesus in church, you belong there more than you belong anywhere else. At that point of wobble in your life, do not retreat from other believers seeking some kind of model or ideal that is shaped around your current frame of mind, it's probably going to be unrealistic and you probably won't find it. 
The church will do what it has to do for you because Jesus and his Holy Spirit are in it. I'll leave you with a thought that is repeated twice in Scripture, and it, uh, I think, appears first in the Psalms and then is echoed in the book of Isaiah. It seems right to me for where you are in life as I understand it. I'll give you the echo first, Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Was he thinking of Psalm 32? For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please like and share so others can benefit from it as well. And check out our other podcast series from our website at rosedale.edu slash podcasts. God bless you and have a good day.